This is the Tanakh Podcast with Alex Israel. Welcome. Today, Yechaskel Perak Mem Aleph, Ezekiel Chapter 41. And we are dedicating our learning to the safety and the success of Chayalei Tzvah Haganali Israel, to the safe return of the Chatufim, and to the complete healing of all of those injured in this war in Gaza. Today, chapter 41, we continue with Yechezkel's visionary tour of the Beit HaMikdash. He is being led by a man who shone like copper, whose in his hand was a cord of linen, a measuring rod. And he has been already shown through the outer courtyard, the inner courtyard. And in our chapter, he reaches the the epicenter of the temple, which is called the Heichal. Let me just give a bit of background. Solomon's temple followed the same floor plan as the Mishkan. Uh, There is an outer courtyard with a Mizbeach, with an altar. And then there is a closed section, closed section, which in the Mishkan was 30 amot by 10, a ratio of three to one. There was an outer room which contained three items, the Shulchan for the showbread, the menorah, which was lit and illuminated the structure, and an insults altar. And this was inside. And then there was an inner chamber, which is called the Kodesh Kodashim, which was only entered by the high priest on uh, Yom Kippur. And uh, this is 10 by 10 in the Mishkan. Solomon doubles all the dimensions. His is 60 by 20 and adds a a hallway, an ulam. So in Shlomo's Mikdash, we actually have three zones. Uh, He gives them slightly different names. The ulam, the hichal, which is parallel to the Kodesh, and the Dvir, which is the Kodesh Kodashim. Um, Here we have exactly the same thing. In other words, Yechezkel's Mikdash, when we get to the epicenter of the Mikdash, is exactly following Shlomo. It has an ulam, it has an outside area called the Heichal, and then it has the Kodesh Kodashim. Um, In fact, some of the decorations are exactly the same. We get told in Solomon's temple that the walls are decorated by etchings or sort of engravings of Kruvim and uh, Tomorot. Uh, etchings of cherubs and palm trees. Very interesting. Uh, why the palm trees? Maybe Sadik Katamar Yifrach Shetulim Beit Hashem. The idea of cherubs and palm trees, they're sort of carved into the wall. And here in verse 18, we say, say the same thing. There's these, this apparently design on the walls. Um, our tradition has it that the Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant in the Mishkan, in the first temple, but that at sometimes towards the end of the first temple, the uh, Ark was hidden away by King Josiah, King Yoshiahu. And uh, interestingly enough, we never find out in Yechezkel what is meant to be in the Kodesh Kodashim, because of course, who is allowed to enter, right? Only the high priest. And Yechezkel is a priest, but he's not the high priest. And therefore, the man, the man who, who, who is the bronze man, tells him, this is the Kodesh Kadashim, but he never takes him inside. So we don't really know what was there. I'd like to use our time today, actually, to 
to give a little bit of drush, tomorrow we'll talk about the broad structure of the temple and uh, its, its, its structure. But today I'd like to give a, a nice little drush, which comes from the Gemara in Brachot. And this is relating to Pasuk Chafbet, verse 22 in our chapter, which talks about the Mizbeach. This is supposedly talking about the incense altar, and it says it's shalosh amot gova, it's three cubits high, and its top is two amot. By the way, these are again double the dimensions which are in the Mishkan, and it's called hamizbeach, hamizbeach eight shalosh amot gova. But then the man says to him, this is the table which is before God. And the question is, is it a table or is it a shulchan? Which one is it? And this is the, um, the Gemara in Brachot Dafnun Hay. It quotes this verse and it says, This is very strange. It starts talking about Mizbeach and then it tells you, this is the table, this is the shulchan. And from here we learn something fascinating. They quote Rabbi Yochanan, who says, when there was a temple, the altar atoned for Israel, but now Rabbi Yochanan is living in Tiberias in the third century, but now that there is no temple, um, a person's table atones for him. Now this is fascinating. The Gemara has just actually said a, a, a very interesting statement, a statement of Rabbi Huda who said, there are three things which lengthen a person's life. Somebody who spends a long time in tefillah and somebody who spends a long time at their meal. Right? And the third one, interestingly, is somebody who spends a long time in the bathroom. But what what's it's got to do with spending a long time in the meal? So the answer that the Talmud suggests is that if you spend a long time in your meal, maybe somebody poor will come or knock on the door and you'll be able to give him something from your meal. Whichever way, what is this concept of your table being like parallel to a Mizbeach? What is this overlap between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach? And this opens a fascinating world. First of all, into the transposing of all sorts of things which were in the temple. We're familiar with the, with, with the synagogue, with the Shul, having three tefillot, which correspond to the three daily sacrifices. We're very used to the idea of our shuls having a ner tamid, which obviously is a continuation of the ner tamid in the temple. But the the notion that you uh, will your own table, that your meal, is something which somehow represents, if you do it correctly, um, a sense of a mizbeach, an altar. And what exactly am I referring to? Well, for example, the Rama in the Shulchan Aruch and Orachaim. Uh, talks about the idea that every table should have uh, salt on it because alcohol korbanecha um, tasim melach on all of your uh, on all of your sacrifices you're meant to put salt. Another example is a halacha which is mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch, Simon Kufpei and Orachaim, which says that when you are saying birchat hamazon, when you are uh, saying uh, the grace after meals, you shouldn't leave a knife on the table, or at least you should cover the knife on the table, because the altar is not allowed to be cut. The stones of the altars are not allowed to be cut with a um, with a sword. And therefore, while we're praising God, we shouldn't in any way have a knife on the table. 
Um, even there's an idea of uh, cutting a whole loaf of bread or making a blessing on a full cup um, because the, the altar was built out of whole stones and everything on our table should be whole. And there's even a tradition not to sit on a table because uh, this concept that shulchan dome le mizbeach, uh, the shulchan is similar to the mizbeach. And other fascinating halachot come from this as well. So, for example, when the rabbis talk about the idea that we should sit at a table um, and say divrei Torah, this is from Pirkei Avot, right? We say, Rabbi, we say, Kol shnaim al shulchan echad divrei Torah. Anyone who, when you have a group of people sitting at the table and they don't say words of Torah, they might as well be eating uh, improper sacrifices. Shina Emar, and they quote a verse from Yishayahu, who bemoans the improper usage of sacrifice. Because of their, uh, the, 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 the altars of, of idolatry were filled with, filled with vomit and with excrement, and you wouldn't want that on your table. Um, now, this is really just a fascinating concept that a table, that the way we um, organize our table is something sacred. And I find it really curious, you know, uh, first of all, I will say that in general, uh, the notion of etiquette, the notion of having a way of eating which raises, it raises our, our experience of eating, which could be otherwise seen as animalistic, is something which we have in all different cultures, the way you set a table using cutlery, table manners, that's for sure. And, um, but Judaism seems to have a particular reverence, you know, there is a halacha which says that uh, anybody who eats in the street, you don't eat in the street. That's what dogs do. In fact, in the in the Haredi world, you will you walk through Haredi neighborhoods, you won't see roadside, you, you know, people where people sit on on the sidewalk, right? And they're very careful not to eat in the street because of this halacha. You don't eat in the street, and and all of this leads to a sense of a real sense of reverence around food, a reverence around meals, a certain sacred atmosphere. I find this fascinating because in our world, uh, in the world of 2023, in the wider world, um, reports say that many families never ever sit down to dinner together. Everybody just, you know, takes food for themselves or sits in front of their computer. And it's very, very rare for families, in Jewish families, thank God we have Friday night dinner. But this concept that somehow our table should be dignified, should have divrei Torah, should somehow reflect the altar of God, the food, food is a way when we sanctify it with blessings. Of course, by the way, the, 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 the concept of netilat yadayim comes from um, the Kohanim who used to eat sacred food and they had to wash their hands beforehand. So there's this concept all the way through of being able to use food, um, as a means of, of elevating our lives. Um, this concept of the, the, the sort of relationship or, or this sort of connection between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach, which they learn in a drash from our chapter. So that's a thought for today. How can we elevate our, our eating? So often we grab something to go, eat it in the car between meetings. So this would say, no, no, no. Uh, what you're meant to do is try and find a way 
to use our food in order to to raise us to a higher level of holiness. See you tomorrow, and tomorrow we'll be talking about the unique structure of Yecheskel's Beit Hamikdash and how it really illustrates the values of what Yecheskel is trying to teach us in these chapters of redemption.